This is Partners in Practice, a weekly series dedicated to the evolving field of the advanced practice clinician. Here is your host nurse practitioner, Mimi Secor. More nurse practitioners than ever are opening independent practices, often in underserved areas of the country. With a shortage of primary care providers, and as implementation of the Affordable Care Act, this is an idea many feel whose time has come. With me today is nurse practitioner Kirsten Wister, owner of Sonora Family Care in Sierra Vista, Arizona. Hi, Kirsten. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you for having me. Can you explain what is unique about practicing as a nurse practitioner in Arizona? Well, first I want to say that it's different here as opposed to most areas of the country because we are very independent here. We have the ability to open practices without physician supervision. We can do solo practices without any supervision at all, as a matter of fact. We can also get admitting privileges from acute and subacute facilities that allow that within their bylaws. We can write all the prescriptions that a physician can with the exception of class 1 narcotics. And all of these things are quite unique to Arizona and a couple of other very rural states in the country. In addition, this is a rural area with very limited resources, so everything we do here is very challenging. So all those things make us real unique here in Arizona. Where exactly are you located? In I know in Sierra Vista, Arizona, but where is that? Correct. We are about 75 miles south of Tucson in the middle of Cochise County, which is very rural entirely. And why did you want to start an independent nurse practitioner practice, Kirsten? Well, I was a little frustrated, to be honest with you, in the other practices in which I worked. I was very limited by the business policies of those practices and by the physician preferences in those practices. And I really wanted to do things where I could think outside the box when I needed to. I wanted to be able to provide care for indigent patients. And I was restricted from doing some of those things that I felt would benefit people. I also wanted to make a practice that had more than just Western medicine. And I have a very holistic office in which we are going to offer different modalities of treatment. What do you think is most important to bring to your role as a nurse practitioner, particularly in independent practice, Kirsten? Well, I have to tell you there's a few bullets. First of all, you absolutely have to love your work. And I mean it has to be a calling. Literally, Florence Nightingale can have nothing on you. Patients can really see, feel, hear your enthusiasm, feel all those things that you care about them, and they sense that you're invested in them, and that's really important. That's what people are looking for, and that's why my practice is unique. What specifically do you think ensures the success of an independent nurse practitioner practice? Elaborating on that point, Kirsten. Well, you have to offer different things that people are looking for. It's either that extra bit of caring, that compassion. You have to give them more of your time and your willingness to educate them instead of just tell them what to do, tell them why they need to do that. You have to offer them alternative treatments, more services perhaps, a more home-like environment in the office, whatever you can come up with that's different for you. If you're not different, and offer them something new. They have no impetus to leave where they are right now. So how do you manage referrals? How do your patients feel about being referred? Well, to be frank with you, most people do not like being referred. They like to stay with their primary care provider who knows them, really has an investment in them, and they do not like to be what they call, and actually patients have told me, turfed from one provider to the next for everything that they do. So 
I take care of absolutely everything I can within my training and scope of practice. And then when I have to refer, it's explained very carefully to the patient why they have to be referred because they truly appreciate the care that they get from me. And when they get sent away, they want a really good reason, and then they're okay with it. But that's how I manage things in my office. And you have broad scope yourself in your area of expertise. You have an emergency background. You have a lot of really solid clinical background. Do you feel that that's important? Oh, I feel it's absolutely important. In a private practice, you're it. I mean, you're the full responsibility for what you do. I always have a collaborating physician that I can call at any time if I have questions or concerns Mm -hmm. or need some extra assistance, and that's absolutely imperative in a private practice. But you've got to be able to function completely on your own, and people come to you and they want every answer. So if you're going to do this, it's really important to either have a couple of different specialties, have a lot of nursing background either in critical care or medical care, and then in lieu of that, a really good, very strict program in which they expected everything of you because that's exactly what you're going to have to produce in private practice. So what about physician collaboration? Is it required in Arizona? Do you have a collaborating physician? Obviously, you said you did. And how did you select that individual physician? Well, in the state of Arizona, we are not required to have a collaborating physician under Arizona Revised Statutes. However, I think it's very poor planning and practice not to have collaborating physicians. I have several that I've known for years, and the way that I chose them was that, one, obviously I've been working with them for years, and they've been very supportive of my practice. And you need physicians for certain things still, according to Medicare guidelines, like hospital admissions and home health hospice co-signatures and those kinds of things. So you have to have one even if you don't by law to practice. My personal ones I've known for more than 12 years. They've been very supportive of me and they respect what I do and realize that I have something different to offer and don't see me as competition. They see me as something different that they can use and actually refer patients to me from time to time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm nurse practitioner Mimi Secor, and I'm speaking today with nurse practitioner Kirsten Wister, owner and director of Sonora Family Care in Sierra Vista, Arizona, and we're discussing her experience starting and managing a private, independent nurse practitioner practice. So, Kirsten, how did you develop your patient base to enable you to open, and what are your best sources of patient referrals? Well, I had a patient base here because I've been in this county for five years now almost, and my patients have followed me from one place to the next, which has been really just wonderful. Additionally, I work in the emergency room and in our urgent care center, and the providers there, as well as myself, find that many people who come here for treatment really just need a primary care provider and no one will take them because they're too full, they have the wrong insurance, however you may see it. And then those providers give out my business cards and say, hey, this lady will take care of you. And I get a lot of patients that way. And then word of mouth in a small town is absolutely necessary. One of the things I want people to understand if you're a nurse practitioner considering this, if you are in a large city or in a small area that has lots and lots of physicians who feel that they quote-unquote own the area, that's going to make it very challenging for you, which is why it's best if you stay where you know people and can get their support. But they come from everywhere. You know, they come from hearing this program and they hear it from my newspaper ads. But word of mouth in a small town is extremely important. So a reputation that is good is the best advertisement for you. What's most challenging about starting a private nurse practitioner practice? 
Well, I don't think I could pick one thing, Mimi, to be honest with you. It's all hard. <laughs> yeah, even in the perfect situation, just getting the door open literally takes the equivalent work of like six full-time employees for three months. And I did all this myself and my husband and some volunteers. So credentialing is also a nightmare. For example, in Arizona, there are several companies that do not recognize nurse practitioners as primary care providers. And I have had to scratch and claw my way through to corporate level to get those things done. And I did get them done, but it's very difficult and very, very time-consuming. Third, I guess, financing. I mean, what else do I need to say about money? It's tough out there. Nobody wants to finance anybody, and it's real tough. And then, of course, finding an appropriate property. That's awful. Volunteers, you know, painters, you name it. It's all hard. How large an office do you recommend when starting out, and how did you locate office space, and how big is your office physically, Kirsten? Well, I would start out minimally. I mean, you have to be okay with that, but you have to have a big enough space where if it starts to grow, you can grow with it. Now, I have a a very large space. It's 3,100 square feet, which is really crazy, and I got that on a fluke. The other thing about space is that you have to avoid anything that was never meant to be or never was a provider's office. Unless you've got, you know, a friend who's an architect who will do everything for you for free and plumbers who will do everything for free and because it gets into be a money pit. I was very fortunate this used to be a local provider's office and then it turned into a state office and was vacant for some time. So I was able to get a very nice office that was previously a physician's office. But starting out too big can be a real problem. And in my office, I only did, to open the doors, I did two patient rooms out of the nine that I have and I did the front area and the administrative area, and that was it. I didn't do anything else because that was the minimal amount of money I needed to spend to actually get the door open. Once we opened the doors and we got some money coming in, now we're doing one more room, and then we'll do one more room, and we'll keep plugging away at it until we need to you know, get another provider. What other staff do you have, and what do you do about billing, ordering supplies, medical assisting? Do you have electronic medical records? So I started out with all, an all-volunteer staff. They were patients who wanted the office open, frankly. And they said, we'll even come in and work for free. We'll paint, we'll clean, we'll move furniture, we'll put things together, we'll do anything to help you get open. And that was truly a gift. And I still have a lot of volunteer staff who do my chart stuffing and those kinds of things. Right now, staff-wise, I have a full-time receptionist who is brilliant at what she does. She knows about credentialing. She knows about all the insurance things. She knows so much stuff at that front desk. And she's just a charming person, which is very important. And then I have an LPN that I hired. Uh, He works weekends at a local nursing home. He's wonderful and just great with people. And he came to me and asked me even to volunteer all week long because he wanted to be part of something that he felt was really important and really helpful for the community. So that's how I've staffed my office. It's really kind of crazy. Billing, ordering supplies, medical assistance, that kind of stuff. I do all that myself. And no, we do not have an EMR yet because I can't afford it. They're very expensive. It's a, it's a huge outlay of cash. And I'm going to be doing that later in the year when I have the ability to get onto the program as part of that Health Care Reform Act they reimburse you over a period of three years for your electronic medical record if you practice in a rural area. But it's again, it's a huge outlay to begin with, and I'm going to probably be doing that at the end of the year. Well, your story is inspiring with the volunteers and you know how they just came to you because they wanted you to do this. What medical legal advice do you have for other nurse practitioners considering independent practice? 
Well, the biggest one is that be sure that you're practicing within your scope. Many states are cracking down, including Arizona, the last few years on being specialty certified nationally in every single patient you touch. So if you're a family nurse practitioner, for instance, and you're in the emergency room working, you should not be seeing people that you could not take care of adequately in an office, those kinds of things. Stay within your scope or you'll get in trouble. FNPs are allegedly really well covered in their education, but internal medicine and OB care can be way over the head of some of that training, especially the internal medicine portion, because these are some sick patients. We have some very sick patients. And it's best if you're either, like I said, an NP with a lot of experience behind you or a real good program, or if you had some really great preceptors. I had a wonderful OB preceptor. I had a wonderful internal medicine and pulmonology and lots of other things. So you have to really make sure you've got all that training behind you. And if there's anything in your head that says, gee, I wonder if I should do that, then you shouldn't. And that's my best medical legal advice I can give. Excellent advice. What's most rewarding about having an independent nurse practitioner practice, Kirsten? I think the most rewarding thing is that I get to practice the kind of medicine that makes my heart feel good, if that makes sense. My patients have told me over and over, I feel like you're part of my family. And I feel like they're part of my family. I care for them the way that I would care for my family members and hope that someone would want to care for me. So the most rewarding thing at this point is that I'm really doing it. I mean, I'm really in there, and I'm doing medicine the way I want to do medicine, and I'm going to be offering patients more services so that I can keep them closer to me and save them time and effort. And I think it's really important in these small communities. That's just a huge thing for me. It's not about money at all. matter of fact, I don't even pay myself. (laughs) I have to work a second job to pay myself. The clinic doesn't pay me. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I'm really doing what I want. I'm going to be able to one day retire and say, wow, I really did something wonderful for 20 years of my life. And I'm very blessed. Exactly. So as we wrap up, do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, just two, I guess. If you're an NP and you really want to do this, then find a way to do it. But be prepared for a huge commitment and a huge amount of work, and the rewards will be there. And if you're a physician listening, I would ask that you give NPs a chance. There are, like physicians, there are some really great NPs out there, and there are some that could be a lot better. But some of us really are good at what we do and love it and want to support you and need your support. So let us show you what we can do. Thank you, nurse practitioner Kirsten Wister, owner of Sonora Family Care in Sierra Vista, Arizona. Good luck with your practice. It's been a great pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much, Mimi. You've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160. You can download this program and any other program in our library at ReachMD.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening.